Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Fantasy Baseball. This is our first podcast of the year for Friday, February 15th. Happy late Valentine's Day to you all. I'm Alex, you're here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, another lonely Valentine's Day, but that doesn't matter because Valentine's Day is just another day in the year. Lonely? What are you What are you talking about? We're, we're talking well, right now. Yeah. You're going to say that to my face? Well, not my face. I, lo- I love you, Alex. Happy Valentine's Day, Ray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we are back at it with the fantasy action. I'm so excited for the season to get underway. And I'm also very excited to announce a few new things that we've got going on with Beat the Shift. We have just unveiled our upgraded website at beattheshiftbaseball.com. Everything's been reformatted and also dropped a few new things, such as my fantasy top 200 rankings. This is for Roto Leagues, but they are very useful nonetheless, so make sure you go ahead and check those out. And I've been slowly releasing uh, specific player analysis pieces uh, as I've been going with that. So if there's anybody that you want me to break down, just let me know. And along with that, before the season gets going, we will be releasing division previews for every division. And Ray just released the first for the NL West. So check that out on our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com. And also make sure you ask us your fantasy baseball questions because we will answer all of them on this podcast. You can do that on Twitter at BeatTheShiftBP or you can email us BeatTheShiftBaseball at gmail.com. We want questions. We want to help you guys out and we want to help you win your leagues. So as I mentioned, top 200 rankings are released for this podcast. We are going to be going through the first 25 players. So... If you're uh, no good at math, that will be over the course of about eight podcasts. We'll get through the whole top 200. Today is 1 through 25. So let's go ahead and get into it. Ray is going to be reading off the rankings, and we'll, uh, we'll discuss this as we go. So let's, let's get into it. Yeah, so let's start with the first, the, the top five, the top five guys. So we have Mike Trout on top. That should be pretty obvious. Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arnado. And Chris Sale, the first starting pitcher on the list. Now, Mike Trout is obvious, but you mentioned that there's people who argue that Mookie Betts should be on top. Uh, talk about that for a second. Uh, yeah, so Mike Trout is the number one. He's a pretty consensus number one across the board just because he's so consistent. But he has not been the number one player in fantasy, I think, for three or four years now. And, you know, some people will be willing to to roll the dice on Mookie Betts he's still hitting at the top of one of the best lineups in all of baseball and Mike Trout is not but he's still Mike Trout he's he's been consistent his whole career I'm not gonna bet against him there and then Jose Ramirez at three is also a pretty normal uh selection there Francisco Lindor is absent from my top five because of his calf injury uh even before spring training and he is expected to be shut down for the next two months or so. And this is not to say that he won't be productive when he gets back. He's still really highly ranked, but he would normally be at my number four spot here, uh, if not for that injury. So I have Nolan Arenado there instead, and he still hits at Coors Field. Um, 
So that is my reasoning for the the top four uh, position players there. And uh, I know you have some uh, opinions about my my number five player. Well, yeah. So Chris Sale. Well, let's let's get six through ten just so, just for context. So after Sale, you have you have Max Scherzer. J.D. Martinez, Trey Turner, Jose Altuve, and then Francisco Lindor. He's still a top 10 player despite the, the calf injury. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you on Chris Sale, but I think there's a strong argument for Max Scherzer being above Chris Sale. Just I- explain to me exactly why Chris Sale is slotted one spot above Max Scherzer. Yeah, I think what's funny too is that I literally just explained why I have Mike Trout ranked above Mookie Betts and the number one overall spot. And I think the argument for Scherzer is very similar for Trout. But in this case, I have I have Sale ahead of Scherzer. You hypocrite. I know. And <laughs> it's it's done so almost intentionally. But, no, I, I joke. But it's, it's something that I think nobody else really is ranking this way, even though Chris Sale on a per-batter basis was better than Max Scherzer last year. And I, and I know there's a lot of other factors at play here and the biggest one being health concern but it's also worth noting that Chris Sale is I believe four years younger than Max Scherzer and Max Scherzer has I last time I checked I believe it was about 800 more innings on his arm than Chris Sale does in his career which is a big difference so I'm not going to to praise the uh, the health of either one even though Scherzer's been healthy for the most part, his entire career. And Chris Sale, on a per-batter basis, as I mentioned, is better than Max Scherzer. And it's you can see it. his K percentage was up at 38.4%, and his whip was all the way down at 0.86. These are not fluky numbers for a guy like Chris Sale who's been doing this for a while. And really, since joining the Red Sox, has turned it up to the next level. Last season... He actually dialed up the fastball velocity to something he wasn't even touching back when he broke into the big leagues as a relief pitcher with the White Sox in his younger days. He was topping out at 100 miles an hour on multiple occasions last year, and he was looking unhittable. This was something new. This was a justifiable improvement from a pitcher who was already hanging around in the, the top three or four pitchers in baseball. So... The big concern with him is the shoulder. He had a shoulder injury last year, and when he came back for the playoff run, he was not looking like himself. His velocity was down, but it looks like he's going to be entering spring training at full health, and I expect him to stay that way, at least as much as Max Scherzer, who, like I said, has a lot more innings on that arm, and it, it could go at any second for any pitcher. Pitchers are just inherently more risky than position players, but they also are the most volatile position. At at starting pitcher, it's the hardest position to replace in later rounds. So I rank them very aggressively, also compared to some other rankings that you'll see for rotisserie leagues, Chris Sale at 5 and Scherzer at 6. This is because I think it's more important this year than most other years to make sure you get one of the, the best pitchers in the first round if you can. Yeah, I think just on the starting pitching front, I think starting pitching is 
uh, very valuable. Good starting pitching is very valuable in fantasy. So I think the strategy is to be aggressive um, when drafting. Um, another guy I'll ask about in this 6 through 10 before we move on really quick, Trey Turner. Um, I'm not Again, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I think there are some people out there who are su- who would be surprised at how good of a fantasy option he is to be in the top 10 here. So Trey Turner is a player that I've been hot on for pretty much his entire career. He was your MVP pick, I think, in 2017. I believe you're correct. No. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Yes. it was. (laughs) But it was not so insane of an an argument for fantasy baseball anyway. Uh, The last two years, I have ranked Turner. Actually, I don't know if I did last year, but I remembered in that 2017 year I did rank him in my top 10 going into the season which was crazy aggressive at the time people were not doing that yet this year he's pretty much established that he should be in the top 10 for uh, standard roto league purposes because he steals more bases than anybody right now so that alone can get him as high in the rankings as he is because it's so hard to find somebody that steals that many bases and produces in other categories. He's not Billy Hamilton, who is in negative everywhere else. Trey Turner still has pop in the bat, hits for a good average, and you know does, does all the rest. So uh, he is going to be a consensus top 10 player this year, and I expect going forward for that reason. Okay, so let's move on to this would be 11 through 15. Um, starting at 11, we have Aaron Judge, Christian Yelich, Jacob DeGrom, Alex Bregman, and then Manny Machado. I think that was five. <laughs> <laughs> Close yes. enough. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about them anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess the um, – I mean, my thing here is could Bregman be higher? That's, that's, that's my question because Bregman certainly had uh, stretches last year where he – look like one of the best players in baseball could Bregman you know be a top 10 guy by the end of the year Bregman definitely can be higher and he is higher in a lot of rankings I might have him underranked, even though he's just outside the first round because he really did establish himself as one of the best well third baseman but also shortstop eligible for this next season also uh which is one of the best fantasy players in the game because he hits for He's, he's always hit for a decently high average, and now he's added the power to his game big time. And I think there's even more in the tank, because he hit 50 doubles last year. If he turns more of those into home runs as well, he can really be a force to be reckoned with. And of course, he's in one of the best lineups in baseball. So Alex Bregman can definitely be higher on this list by the end of this year. It's more about the guys that I have ahead of him, who I think other people um, are sleeping on. And Aaron Judge is one of those players who... I believe that most fantasy owners are sleeping on because of the the lackluster sophomore year from him. And this is not Yankee bias here. This is looking at a is player. It? It's not. It really is not because Aaron Judge, what he did his rookie season was unbelievable. And this you know, we talk about what a great year Alex Bregman had last year. Aaron Judge's year was Miles better than that. Oh, I don't know about that, but considerably You're talking about his, his rookie considerably year. better. Yeah, Aaron Judge's rookie breakout year 
was considerably better than you know a lot of other individual performances. The upside is there, and it's not so far removed. Last year, the power was down significantly, but most of that can be attributed to his a, a slight change to his launch angle. There was not a learning curve in terms of dealing with major league starters. His plate discipline was essentially the same as his first year, and his hard contact rate essentially the same as his first season. The only difference was his average launching was down, I believe, three degrees. He just wasn't barreling balls quite as much, and barrels refer to hard hit balls at a certain launch angle. So he's still hitting them hard, and he's still, you know, hitting for a high average, just not for, you know, the same ridiculous uh, numbers that he was his first year. But it's it's so very close to to him being that player again. And there's nothing that leads me to believe that his power is not legitimate. Have you seen the guy? So Aaron Judge can certainly be closer to his 2017 self than last year, in in my mind. Okay, just a quick note on DeGrom. Is, so in standard leagues where they count wins, is that why he's, you know, there's a gap between Scherzer and DeGrom? Uh, no, it's not why. I think okay. he will win more than 10 games this year. <laughs> he better, man. Jesus. I, I saw some story that said um, it was some false headline about Jacob DeGrom says he would consider a self-imposed innings limit. I think it was actually just a reporter who asked him that, and he was like, what? I've, I've not thought about that. So they, that was construed as a, as a consideration, so... I thought that was pretty ridiculous, but Jacob Degrom, yeah, he's up there with those guys in terms of dominance at this point. Uh, it's just that his numbers, you know, aren't quite there with Scherzer in Sale in terms of you know strikeout rate and you know a couple other things. So he's good. He's really good. You should definitely be. I have him one spot or two spots removed, one spot removed from the first round, and that's essentially a first rounder in my mind so he's not too far removed from the likes of Salem Scherzer just a little slightly below okay uh let's move on this will be 16 through 20 uh Charlie Blackman Freddie Freeman Paul Goldschmidt Bryce Harper and the artist formerly known as Mike Stan uh Giancarlo um well we've kind of glossed over Manny Machado but you know Bryce Harper. You can love him, Machado too. Um, is do you expect to see any change in the rankings depending upon where they go, or they are? Uh, is that not a factor in in how you're looking at them? So the short answer is no. And part of me wants to just completely boycott talking about them until they make up their minds and sign with the team. I know it's not their fault entirely because major league teams are making this hard on them. But come on, guys. Go to spring training, please. They have uh, offers. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very much done reading about all the, uh, all the drama, and now I don't believe a thing anybody says until they actually sign. Right, and that's why right now it's it's hardly consideration. Uh, the only thing that I can say would be a huge problem is if Bryce Harper went to the Giants and had to hit in, <laughs> in Oracle Park, is what it's called now. But terrible for lefties. I would not. It's terrible for hitters. Um, 
lefties in particular. It's really bad. So that is just the, the one thing, but pretty much doesn't matter at all. For AL and NL only leagues, which is not what these rankings are for, but that is something that you have to consider now. If these guys do not sign before your draft and you have a difficult decision to make, if uh, if you have to take a risk at drafting one of these guys and they end up signing in the other league, that is an interesting conversation that I'm not really prepared to give a, a solid answer on. It really is a case-by-case basis, but that's something you got to keep in mind too. Do you want to take a risk on them? Um, but otherwise, you know, they're, they're really good. They're both 26 years old. They've kind of established themselves. Uh, Bryce Harper is a little more of an unknown than Machado, I think, in terms of production. And... Bryce Harper is the kind of player whose overall offensive performance that doesn't necessarily relate to Roto Leagues. His on-base skills are unbelievable compared to some of these other players, um, and they really don't help him too much in Roto. It shows that he's still a very potent hitter. He hasn't lost a step just because of some bad luck last year in terms of his batted balls. And I know a lot of that had to do with the shift, uh, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He will adjust, and he will be good again. He he will be a second round player for you. I'm th- that is one of the safer ones for me. So, um, that is Machado and Harper. So to round out that top twenty, also, uh, Charlie Blackman is also in there. He was, I think, the number one player in fantasy two years ago. Number one hitter. Could be wrong. But he is a really good fantasy player when he's stealing a lot of bases. He doesn't quite have that anymore, but he still plays in Coors Field and in a relatively down year, still puts up unbelievable numbers. And it really is the Coors Field bump that's that's putting him there. But you, you got to take it. You know, it's it's a factor. It's an important factor. Yep, and he and you know he did sign an extension I think before last year, so he's going to be there for you know a few more years. Yeah, he will be. So last year in a down year, he still hit two ninety one, twenty nine home runs, still stole twelve bases, and had seventy RBI. But that went along with a hundred nineteen runs scored. Yeah, you'll take that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, if his role is going to shift at all with LeMahieu um, gone and Daniel Murphy being the new second baseman in terms of uh, LeMahieu's lineup role and how different it is from Murphy's. I think Blackman will still lead off. No, I, yeah, no, I think he's still going to, yeah, no. Blackman's still going to lead off. Um, I don't know. I'm just throwing maybe a possible factor. I'm not saying it's going to hurt him. Uh, maybe he steals more bases because of that. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. If he can stay yeah. healthy, Please, uh, I want to see the stolen bases. But if not, he's still going to give you plenty of value. Yeah. All right, so let's round out the top 25. Um, 21 to 25 here. Ronald Acuna, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, above Corey Kluber, and then Andrew Benintendi. And I think the one thing that people are, are really surprised to see is Clayton Kershaw you know, in the top 25 and a spot above Corey Kluber. Um, so explain yourself there. Uh, yeah, so uh, before I do that, I will say I I hate that I skipped over my beloved first baseman duo that I had in my rankings there, but I will get back to uh, Freeman and Goldschmidt after going over the uh, the trio of starting pitchers that I have at the end of the second round here. 
So I went in the order of Verlander, Kershaw, then Kluber. So Justin Verlander at four is not too outrageous. He really does put up ace-like numbers ever since he's joined the Astros. And his age is, again, of a minor consequence in my mind. So he's right where he should be behind the consensus top three of Sale, Scherzer, and DeGrom. And Kershaw's the interesting one here because he's had so many back problems. I think three years in a row now, he's gone on the deal with back troubles. I can't remember exactly if they're all related, but they must um, they must be in some way. Connected. Last year, I believe, was also a bicep issue. It wasn't necessarily back. Yeah, but, but yes, they, he has. They, had, the know, thing about injuries. The stints. Yeah, the thing about injuries at this point in somebody's career is that they they do impact future health risk also if you if you're recovering and you're having to overcompensate you know it's it's a continual thing now that i think you really can't expect clayton kershaw to make more than 30 starts in a season which is really disappointing but i will take kershaw with the value he provides even if the number of starts he gives is somewhere in the the mid tide 20s because the quality of his pitching is still really high. Last year was a, a little bit of an outlier in that his fastball velocity was down, I believe, about two miles an hour. And he also really favored his slider a lot. I think as a result of him knowing that he didn't have his 100% fastball, I think he used it 10% less than the previous years on average. And His fastball. His fastball. He used it 10% less. And used his slider a lot more and it yielded pretty good results even then it's it wasn't quite vintage kershaw in terms of you know strikeouts and in all the other peripheral numbers that really are the, the icing on the cake but he's still proven that he's gonna be really dominant while he's on the mound and i wish i could pencil him in for 30 starts i i won't do it and if you do get him, though, you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. That's the that's the only thing about it. So, yeah, that's essentially why Kershaw is all the way down at number five. If last year I told you that Clayton Kershaw was a... Or Clayton Kershaw being ranked at the number five starting pitcher was a very aggressive ranking, that would seem insane, right? I, I couldn't yeah. drop him. I couldn't drop him that much just for one season of fluky a fluky performance. He was clearly doing something different than he does in, in previous years, and I, I believe he can return to form. It's just a matter of how many innings he actually gives you. So that's, that's what I got for Kershaw. Corey Kluber right behind him is really reliable year in and year out. And some people have similar concerns about the slight downtick down in performance, but... Corey Kluber is as good as he's ever been. In, one, in the second half especially, he was one of the better pitchers in baseball. And he still turns out, you know, 200 inning seasons every year. It's, it's not a health risk for him. So Corey Kluber is, is right there, even with a maybe slight downtick in dominance than what we're used to. Yeah, um, just kind of a note on Kershaw. He pitched to a 2.73 ERA last season which is fantastic, and for him, it was his highest ERA since 2010. 
Um, so that tells you just how good Kershaw's been and how even with the dip in velocity and, you know, a lot of people maybe are down on him because of his up-and-down postseason performance, regular season Kershaw is still as dominant as ever. And the guy right above him in the rankings, Justin Verlander, is exhibit A on refining lost velocity, uh, if you will. Um, so now I'll let you uh, – you mentioned your uh, first baseman duo of Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt. So if you want to talk about them a little bit right now, go ahead. Uh, yeah, honestly, there's not too much to say. Take them. They're good, especially in the <laughs> second round. Uh, first, baseman, first baseman is a really weak position this year, which is something that's really unusual. That's a position where you normally see an abundance of sluggers and all kinds of quality bats, but this year, not so much. Taking one of them early on is is really good, if n- nothing else, for the positional value it will give you. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not first-round players, but they're still really good. Paul Goldschmidt, who in the past was a first-round player when he was stealing more bases, is with a new team, and you know that's that can always go uh, can go either way. Sometimes it takes a little while to adjust. You can look at John Carlos Stanton last year with the Yankees, just getting used to a new environment, and it might have minor effects. But I I don't doubt that they'll both be really productive nonetheless. Just not first round performers. I I don't see that anyway this year. Um, and then I mentioned Stanton also kind of finding it in a new environment. Uh, this guy has the most raw power of anybody, except maybe his teammate Judge. But there's, uh, there's definitely a 50 home run bat there if, uh, if you want it late in the second round. 50 home run potential, of course. Um, so that's something that you'll be hard-pressed to find as you move further on here. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, so do you, so, yeah, yeah, so sorry, that rounds out the top 25. Um, like I said, we'll go 25 at a time for the rest of the top 200 uh, in the coming weeks do you have anything else to to say that you know maybe somebody had an ask about that you want to talk about or um you know yeah. anything you want to mention in general i will briefly mention the other two young outfielders that cracked the top 25 you know credit where credit's due for ronald acuna and andrew benintendi uh, acuna of course does have the potential to be a first round player and possibly the best hitter in fantasy baseball. There's very few players who have the potential to do that by contributing in all categories. Uh, something that's important to consider is where he's going to be hitting in the lineup for the Braves. He's hitting in the middle of the order. I don't expect him to be stealing many bases. I think most of his stolen bases uh, last year were from the leadoff spot. It's something weird that the Braves do, but it's something that is important to keep an eye on. Uh, again, though, his downside is that of a third or fourth round tier bat it's he's really good so uh no concerns there really he has major upside andrew benintendi is also a really stable player at this point in his young career uh you can kind of pencil him in for a 2020 season around 290 300 batting average and just you know close to close to 100 runs in RBI, in either case hitting at the top of the Red Sox lineup. So he also really has a really high floor and an even higher ceiling if he taps into the power a little bit more. I believe only hit two home runs the second half of last year. So that is 
maybe a bit lower than you can expect from a player of his caliber. And an uptick in power would be a huge deal. He would jump up in the rankings quite a bit. And he really was on the verge of that last year. In the first half, I did have him ranked as the number five outfielder for a while. But the, the downturn in power was a big thing that turned me off of that. But he can find it. I believe he can, even though it's not a great park for left-handed bats. Uh, Benintendi's really good, and he belongs in that range, you know, right at the end of the the second round in a, in a 12-team league. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to round out my, my top 25 there. Um, you know, this is definitely where you can make or break your entire draft. Um, you making sure you get a really good return on investment in the first two picks. So uh, hopefully this was helpful. Yeah, I'll, I'll use this to try and beat you this year. You'll you'll utilize my, my rankings? Good luck with that. <laughs> These are just decoy <laughs> rankings. You don't think I know what's going on here? They're all wrong. This entire, this entire segment, this entire podcast was a ruse just to get you... <laughs> To, uh, to let your guard down. No, but I mean, uh, this, it's what I want. I want people to be to be more informed about the types of play. Um, these are my preferences in, in every case, but I also do my best to explain my reasoning and provide you with that context that, that may help you make your own informed decisions for your own draft. I don't expect anybody to use these rankings, ex- you know, to the T. That's not how you're going to win a draft. You have to be flexible as you see how as you see how the the draft progresses. You have to see what kinds of players are being taken off the board earlier. You might have to uh to you know go against your your rankings at times. So I preach flexibility in terms of the draft. And these rankings are very much just a suggestion, just a guideline. So don't don't attack me too uh too brutally if you don't agree with <laughs> any of my rankings. Don't try not to uh crucify me for having Chris Sale as my number 5 overall player because I know that there's uh plenty of people that would take issue with that. So that is my uh my summary of my uh my rankings philosophy. All right. Yeah, was, I mean, yeah, we can get into it into it more to draft strategy and stuff as we progress through the rankings but that's all we have for today again these rankings are available on our website beattheshiftbaseball.com revamped retooled whatever you want to call it yes i'm so excited um, it spent yeah. so much time on it <laughs> yeah uh yeah make make alex's uh hard work uh pay off fact go visit the website check out his rankings check out our division previews which will be coming out the first one is out i wrote an nls ranking and again you can keep up with us on on Facebook, Beat Shift Baseball. Um, we're on Instagram at, at Beat the Shift BP. Also on Twitter at Beat the Shift BP. You can send us questions, um, whatever. We'll be getting more interactive on social media as well. Um, so, yeah, that's all we have for today. Check out all our stuff. And as always, Alex. Peace. This is weird. That was, that was very reverse. Weird. Not used to that. Yeah.